welcome to Bowband Podcast Season 3, brought to you by Motomuck. If you've had a dirty weekend, check out motomuck.co.nz, add everything you want to the cart, and when you've decided what you want to buy, chuck the promo code POWERBAND in there, and you'll get 15% off. It cleans everything you've got, uh, and does a great job of it too. More about that later in the podcast. This is Season 3, Episode 5, uh, New Zealand's premier motorcycling podcast made by Kiwi Bikers for Kiwi Bikers. My name is Ray here, and joining me is co-host Matthew Day Gillett. Kira. And we've got Kiwi riders Ben Wilkins. G'day. Hello, boys. How we doing? Yeah, good, good. Yeah, real good, thank you. Ben, we probably haven't heard from you since uh, Season 2, Episode 10. Who are you, and what is your background as far as motorcycles go? Well, I just wanted to say Season 2, Episode 10. That was a bloody good weekend, eh? We need to do it again, to be honest. It's just trying to find the time and uh, all that scheduling conflict we all have. Man, it was it was an epic weekend, and it was great how it just kind of fell together as well, uh, considering we were meant to be going to Tussock Buster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that would have been a cool weekend as well, but uh, I think it worked out for the best. So, Ben, you're the editor of Kiwi Rider, but before that, you've obviously got a British accent. Where are you from? What have, what have you been doing? Well, I'm from the UK originally, as you can probably tell. For the last, I don't know, 19, almost 20 years, I've been working on motorcycle magazines, performance bikes, motorcycle news, bike, ride, uh, classic motorcycle mechanics, and a a heap of other stuff. There's something that comes to me just thinking about this, Ben, is... um for the whole motorcycle magazine industry, we've really got to come up with more interesting names for our magazines, don't we? <laughs> I don't know what you mean. <laughs> We're quite simple folk, is what I'm saying. Well, how do you think um, Kiwi Rider became Kiwi Rider? Oh, yeah, true. Sells it, tells the point. It does what it says on the box. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so speaking of Kiwi Rider, Kiwi Rider has just hit a milestone. 35 years old, I hear. Yes, um, started by uh, three intrepid uh, Kiwi motorcyclists back in 1984. One of them is still uh, uh, involved with the magazine, uh, Pete or Veggie. I'm sure there'll be people out there who'll uh, who'll know him. I suppose uh, an effervescent character. <laughs> Pete is, um, as his uh, nickname would say, uh, Veggie might. You uh, love him or you don't. Is that where their nickname comes from? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it absolutely comes from... Uh, he used to have this jersey that looked like a pot of Vegemite that had Vegemite across the front of it. <laughs> so he got called Veggie. Fair enough. As simple as that. Oh, more about uh, Kiwi Rider later in the episode as well. Let's dive into what we've been up to in the last seven days. Matt, you got some new tyres. I did. Um, and special thanks uh, and a shout out to old Veggie because he helped me sort them out. Um, Avon Trail Riders for the Honda. Yeah, they're a 90, 90% road, 10% off-road tyre and... Yeah, so far I've put 200Ks on them, or thereabouts, and yeah, they're a nice um, a nice change from the well-worn IRC tyres that the rally came with. So how do they handle on the road, roughly? They've got a high silica content, according to the brochure, and um, basically means it was pretty, well, at times a wee bit wet um, this past weekend when I actually got to ride, and... Um, no, actually on the road, very confidence-inspiring. Have you had them on the gravel? Yes, not quite as confidence-inspiring um, in the thick stuff. But no, I, I had a brilliant ride this weekend and um, I went out for a hoon with uh, Chris Power from the thedirt.co.nz. Um, he was on a Husky 701 Enduro um, with proper 
dirt tires and everything and he just disappeared uh, we rode from raglan down that kafia coastline and it was beautiful sun came out um, rode on a beach worked out the tires are okay so long as the sand isn't half a foot deep that was going to be my next question so they're okay on the road they're pretty good on the gravel how are they on the sand matt honestly i've felt quite in control until um i tried to go up a sand dune to get off the beach <laughs> two tries later chris came down and actually helped me pull the bike off the beach uh, which was a wee bit uh, humbling, I suppose is the word. Um, I probably could have got it on third try, but yeah, they're, they're primarily road tyres. I, I had to be realistic when picking a tyre. I do mostly road touring, and I like to think I do the odd gravel road that I can, but yeah, I, I needed a tyre that will do a commute up to Auckland when need be, go for a nice ride. Um, hopefully, I still have these next year when I, fingers crossed, go to the Burt Monroe Challenge. I really want to go there next year. So, yeah, um, I'm quite happy with the tyres, to be honest. Um, full review, I will be putting together for Kiwi Rider because good old Veg sorted them out for me, so it's the least I can do. Your new tyres, because they're a high silica content, they um, actually warm up a lot quicker than tyres with a low silica con- content. So especially in, on damp tar seal and cold temperatures, they should feel really good straight away. Yeah, uh, considering I had not ridden the bike at all until I jumped on it on Sunday and rode to Hamilton to meet Chris and then out to Raglan, I was quite stoked with them to be honest they didn't have that normal skittish feeling you sort of get when you get on a bike with brand new tires and you're riding and it's wet out which it seems a bit odd to say because you got to scrub in your tires regardless but honestly they were quite confidence inspiring um and i didn't even know avon did tires for bikes like mine so high praise from me so far so lo- looking forward to hearing the review of that of those avon tires and i did see the videos on instagram of you having an attempt of that um that was basically a, a mini sand hill climb which i was quite impressed you gave at least two cracks to I can laugh, but I couldn't do too much better. Uh, in the weekend, I, I got out on a trail ride, which you might have seen the video on the Facebook and the YouTube. And if you haven't, jump on YouTube and search out uh, Powerband Podcast and check it out. It was the Judd's Farm Trail Ride, which is uh, right at the very top of the hill on the road that goes from Lower Hutt through to Hanui and out to State Highway 1. And some gorgeous views from panoramic views. You could see all the way down to the Wellington South Coast and all the way out to, uh, to Mana island and across to the tip of the north of the south island as well uh, a brilliant trail ride but quite a few offs as well <laughs> yeah i saw a couple a couple um on the video when i was watching it i was quite jealous to be honest well that um see i did a lot of work on the wr to get ready for tussock buster and it hasn't actually had an outing since we did new chain and sprockets new clutch lever assembly and a whole bunch of other stuff i literally did 500 meters dropped the bike and broke the new clutch lever assembly was that an aliexpress jobby no it was it was uh from from the local bike store so they've said i'll bring it back in and we'll work out what happened there and we'll you know come up with another solution but i was i broke the 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 perch and i was i was quite distraught but luckily my mate craig who i went riding with had another one in the truck that's convenient ben what have you been up to well i um actually met up with matt at the weekend um I rode down to Raglan uh, from Auckland. In the on, fog? Oh, my word. I, I, I was out testing the um, Triumph Tiger 1200 XCA and um, the fully loaded bike and um, came up, up to the Bombays. It was a balmy 12-odd degrees at 6.30am and then went over the Bombays down 
to the Coromandel turn and it dropped down to five and a half degrees and into thick fog. <laughs> and it was pretty much like that all the way to Welcome Ragnar. Welcome to the Waikato. <laughs> That's the thing, I didn't even know. Yeah, it was fun trying to ride on, what was it, Sunday morning? Ben, are you going to be writing at some stage a, a story on that Tiger 1200? Yep, that's going to be uh, in, in an issue coming up, um, not in the next month's two issues, but certainly after that. Brilliant, looking forward to hearing those. Shall we d- dive into some news? And congratulations, well done to Natasha Kins. First place in the women's class at the latest round of the New Zealand Cross Country. Ben, am I mistaken in thinking you might know a little bit more about this? I deal with uh, Natasha a little bit. She uh, lets us know what her bikes are like. We've published Natasha a few times in the magazine. She rides like a demon, and it's a well-deserved win. Of course, the latest round was uh, in Topor, and uh, I believe organised by the Topor Motorcycle Club. So well done, Natasha. Very, very impressed. There's no point really... um, racing against somebody like that is it i mean she'd absolutely slaughter us on the dirt or maybe not you ben but no no she absolutely would i'd be lucky to make it through the first turn (laughs) (laughs) yes so i think a couple of weeks ago we spoke about um they did a really cool custom jobby 1800 cc flat twin um boxer engine so there's this fancy i'm not even going to try and pronounce it it's a uh fancy to do car and bike show on the shores of Lake Como every May, June. And um, BMW last year showed off a really cool sort of X1000 style touring bike. And this year they've debuted this big boxer bike. Um, and it looks like a like 1950s or 60s BMW. It looks really, really good. But obviously the big talking point is this massive new boxer engine prototype they've got in it. Um, I can't remember. I think I put it in, what was it? Kiwi Rider La a couple of weeks ago, there was in the news section a story about this um, engine and how the theory was that it was probably going to go into a cruiser style bike because BMW doesn't really have anything in their lineup to fill that sort of niche. They've got bikes to go for everyone else almost. And yeah, this um, they call it an R18. Um, and I'll whack a photo up on the Facebook page um, so you can go have a look at it. But honestly, I think this bike looks gorgeous. Unfortunately, BMW are still keeping under wraps more like specs. So we can't sort of spitball power or anything like that yet. Is this like a, a concept or is this something they're actually looking to, to move into production? Well, this is the third time they've used this prototype engine in, in a special custom bike. Um, and this R18 bike looks a lot like um, like how you do a modern classics um, interpretation. So Triumph have done their bobber, which looks like it's a hardtail um, framed bike, but it's actually got rear suspension. This R18 thing is similar. It was built by, I think it was a Swedish custom shop on BMW's orders sort of thing. Um, but considering this is the third time this engine has come out and the other two bikes still exist. Um, I think it's pretty fair to say that it's something BMW are seriously looking at doing. No details really yet on what the actual power figures or anything like that'll be. So Matt, um, does the does this new motor have the variable valve technology that the new 1250 GS has got? You'd think if the, it did, they'd make a song and dance about it, but they haven't said anything in anything I've seen so far on it. But you'd think surely they would, though, um, since they've got that technology there. It's just a little electronic module they have to put in the head, along with a um, cam that has a little lobe in it to slide across. But you'd think so, because Indian are doing variable valve timing on their big 1800. 
but Which that's is... just for, um, as far as I read from uh, what, you, what you wrote for us in Kiwi Rider, was that it was a, um, that's to do with uh, emissions. Yeah, well, surely BMW would probably try and work in something like that as a fail-safe to get them through the next, what, 10 years of Euro emissions? Because that's the main thing that really kills engines, isn't it? It's those increasingly difficult... Or maybe they've designed something like that. And I don't know. They, they're keeping so quiet on what's actually inside this giant boxer engine. Um, it's sort of a wait and see game to actually find out what it's actually like. I'm looking forward to it. I think it, a boxer cruiser from BMW would actually be cool. So long as it's not styled like that hideous thing that was in that James Bond movie. <laughs> um, and if you want to check that out, facebook.com forward slash powerband podcast. Well, we put the latest, well, that uh, up against, uh, was it a CRF uh, that uh, Daniel Craig was riding? Yes. <laughs> yeah, the CRF absolutely blew the doors off that uh, poor, what was it, R1200C? Um, uh, it was, I think it was the R1200 Montour. Yeah, it just the, the whole telelever front end does not work for a cruiser. i tell you what it was. It was the R1200. Hell no! <laughs> yeah. From one company that is keeping things quiet to another company that's keeping things quiet. We've got some new Hondas, but not many people keen to spill the beans on them. Well, so far, Blue Wing Honda, who are the New Zealand importers, haven't been able to sort of confirm exactly when these bikes will arrive. Um, but we've got a few details on them, so Honda have released their 2020 dirt lineup um, in the last couple of weeks and they've fully updated their 250s so the 250s now have a frame based off the CRF 450R from last year um, so that's a big deal they did a whole lot of work on that um, they've also got more power and torque so 4% more power 8% more torque They've revised the fuel injection maps. They've revised the gearing. Um, they've done a whole lot of work to the 250s. The 450s, so your CRF450R, CRF450RX, um, they've got a whole lot of electronics added to them. Um, so, say, for a 450RX, a cross-country bike, gets Honda-selectable torque control, which is basically traction control for Hondas, and HRC launch control mapping. Um, they've also revised the suspension and whatnot. And the 450R is similar and it's looking pretty good to be a um a honda fanboy not that i can say i'm a honda fanboy even though i own one you are you're a honda fanboy as much as i'm a yamaha fanboy hey the one thing that i was kind of expecting to roll out for their uh, 2020 models was something similar to what yamaha have done with the bluetooth tunable connectivity wi-fi any word on that from honda at all well there was something pgmfi Hand in hand with optimization. Honestly, I'm just reading straight out of a press release here. Um, I haven't actually read any more in depth because these press releases are like 16 pages long. And they read like stereo instructions? Yeah, except turning your stereo is more fun because um, you actually got your hands on it. But it sounds promising. I don't want to say yes or no right now because I honestly haven't finished reading the press release. For your cross-country bikes and that, it's, yeah, if Yamaha's doing it, they're kind of leading the way. And you're seeing that kind of thing cropping up a lot more in um, the dirt sphere, aren't you? After the last few weeks where they've uh, released the road-going 450, uh, that's come up in conversation many, many times on the internet. People moaning about that 1,000-kilometre uh, service interval. Oh, the CRF450L, yeah. Mm, it's, yeah. It's base- that is confirmed to be coming to New Zealand. Um, 
one of the guys at Blue Wing Honda who talks to people like me and Ben um, has said we are getting that bike and it's actually there's one down the road from me here at uh, the Honda shop in Cambridge apparently that it, um, the guy that picked up my bike to get its new tyres installed said oh you got to come and have a go on it and I was like and it is the high powered one not the Euro one that they're also getting in uh, South Africa yeah they, that sucks to be in South <laughs> Africa doesn't it uh, I don't know why they get the Eurospec ones but the Eurospec bike's like 25 horsepower which is one whole horsepower more than my 250 rally uh, but they've got more torque because they're 450 but I kind of do have to agree with some of the internet warriors the keyboard warriors though when they say like that that is the one thing that's got me uh, over a barrel i don't know if i can commit to 1000 kilometer into uh, service intervals that's like halfway through a weekend ride yeah well yeah. like it's they're small um it's a small sump though like it's a liter of oil um but then you have to catch the oil that comes out and dispose of it properly and stuff it's that kind of hassle really and realistically when you get into the middle of the bush a thousand k's in are you going to stop and change your oil well think of it this way a thousand k's is basically a trip halfway down the like the length of the north island or whatever well when we hop back to our trip that we did around taranaki i covered 13 1400 kilometers a lot of people have been saying you can probably push it out on the honda and that but it's probably not good for your service intervals i think the biggest problem is the pricing point which is near on like it's 16 17 grand and it's within about three or four hundred dollars of the new Tenere 700 and if you're doing proper adventure riding like if you're you want to be able to carry a whole lot of luggage a pillion reasonably comfortably have a whole lot of power and long service intervals like you'd be stupid to get the honda so we're talking the price is high the service intervals are low and for similar money we could get something that maybe out of handle it better <laughs> depending on what you want so what are honda thinking well like yeah but it's not it, a adventure bike though it's a trail bike no it's a trail bike exactly so for most trail riders you're not you probably won't do a thousand k's in a weekend so if it's a trail bike why is it on the road so you can go from trail to trail because it's a proper trail bike i mean trail bikes uh, historically were like the xl the xl 250 um these bikes you could have them in your garage put your gear on ride up to the to the nearest farm gate in in through the trails ride ride for the day and go home again uh, with, mm. without having to have a trailer without having to tow without having to do all that stuff mm. i can see where you're coming from and i can see it might work for some people but i'm standing in my garage slash studio right now looking at my trailer looking at my wr and i've got my family wagon out front thinking why would i ride a trail bike to a trail when I can take my toolkit and everything with me. Unless you like are absolutely desperate and you don't have a trailer or a car, I'm just seeing it as the best. Of, it's kind of a. It's too much of a compromise. Like adventure bikes have always been a compromise, but this is too much of a compromise. Or am I just in the wrong world? Maybe a little bit of bit of both there. But I I kind of think of it more as it's more of a niche bike. It's not a mass um, like takeover Auckland. Everyone's going to be commuting on them kind of thing. It's more you'll probably see guys that live rurally um, that get a lot of this kind of um, trail riding in, or if they live like say someone that lives on the Coromandel would um, have epic fun with that CR450L because you've got gravel roads, you've got plenty of trails around there to go explore. Um, Nevesville, for instance, behind um, Hikataya, um, notoriously difficult place to go enduro riding and trail riding and that, but if you've got a 450L, you could just jump on, get out of your house, out of your garage, cruise on up there, Go for a blat and then come back. Because what was the price of the 450L? Ooh. 16, 17, thereabouts? Yeah, within, I think the Yamaha is about three or $400 more expensive. Um, and yeah, 
Uh, thinking about it, I think New Zealand's got a bit of a specific market, and I don't think um, Honda have made this bike for um, the New Zealand market. If you think about the US, where there are, there are plenty of places where there's a lot of um, public access land, and you can just, if you're nearby, you can just jump on your bike, go out and ride around for a half a day or a day, and ride back home again. I mean, that's a similar thing to the UK. There's a, well, until recent years, there were a lot of trails you could just go and ride on. And it, you didn't need a competition bike. In fact, you didn't want a, like a motocross or an enduro bike. You just wanted something to go and ride up and down the green lanes on. Mm. So this kind of thing would be perfect for that. Yeah, I, I see a lot of guys, um, I saw recently at one of my 4.30 in the morning wake-ups with the baby, I tend to put on YouTube videos of bike reviews and whatnot just because it's something I enjoy to have on in the background. And there was a shootout um, by one of the American mags and they ranked out of the current crop of sort of that 450, 500cc trail class, they ranked the Honda the lowest and I think it was mostly just on feel um, and the pricing, which is priced right up against um, the KTM and the Husqvarna competition. And I think a lot of people might have a mental block in the whole respect of like it's a Japanese bike it's not premium European yeah I think it's a bit unfair to the Honda like it's got really good suspension and its engine is based off that 450 motocross bike I'm just disappointed because I find that the 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 CRF 250L rally that you've got I think would be absolutely fantastic but for me I find it would just be lacking a little bit on the open road and the commuting kilometres so a 450 version of that would be right up my alley and it's got huge service intervals and you know you 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 have one it's it's a fantastic bike see i think the only reason to have a 450 version on my bike is so you can pull wheelies on command in any gear exactly <laughs> but isn't that the point yeah true like i can do a wheelie on mine so long as i'm in first gear and doing under 25 kilometers an hour <laughs> so honda have finally brought out a cre 450l but it's got none of the good stuff that the 250L or L Rally has. I think it's just, it's way more dirt focused than those bikes are. And because those bikes are based, like the engine for the 250L and the um, 250L Rally, it's off a CBR250. It's off a road bike. So that's where you get that awesome service interval from. And because the 450L is based off an actual dirt bike, and it's got the dirt, proper dirt bike chassis, like I've got a steel tube frame on this. Yeah, I think it's just, it's way more... It's got the L badge, but it's almost misleading. So you're telling me I've got to go get the CRE450L, ditch the engine, and put a CR500 engine or a CR, CBR500 engine in it or something? Well, no, because if, say, for instance, you're going to get a WR450F with the road legal kit, you'd still be um, beholden to that same really short dirt bike service interval. Yes, you would um, be. So, yeah, it's yeah horses for courses and... Yeah, like a lot of people do, like adventure ride or trail ride, um, those bikes as well. It's just, yeah, you. it's one of those things you just have to get your head around if you want to buy into that is you got to change the oil a lot more. I'd be hoping we'll see uh, something like your bike, uh, Matt, the, um, uh, the 250 Adventure as a 450 or maybe a 500 based off the CBR 500 single motor, which mm. obviously um, is long in the tooth for a, a, a sort of, sporty road bike but um, I'm sure Honda have got a lot of units they'd like to shift and putting it into a, a an adventure chassis would be perfect for it oh heck yeah well though isn't that basically what the CB500X is except it's a lot more road biased if they did a more aggressive off-roady looking thing like the rally here um, that would be it would sell like hotcakes like I've seen guys actually put that motor into the CRF250L in the rallies 
um, that oh, parallel really? twin 500. Yeah, it's a big job, apparently. Yeah, but uh, that's a twin-cylinder engine, the CB500X. Whereas if they were going to keep it true to its sort of Dakar rally styling, um, it would be like yours. It would be a single. So that CBR or CB500R single motor they had for, was it, um, lots of years, that, that would be the perfect machine. Yeah, true. Um, I've got to say, I, I love the single cylinder, like that talkiness to it. Um, it's just characterful. Like, yeah, I just enjoy the characterfulness of um, a bike engine. It's one of those weird things that I go for. I'm just, just doing a bit of research, and I, I, I'm talking a load of bollocks. Um, <laughs> so it is the twin? The, the 500 is a twin. Um, there isn't a single. I thought there was a single, but it, I'm there's thinking only more the 300. Like the, mm. the XR650? Oh, that, is that the one that, you may have been thinking of? Nah, like they still sell yeah. that in America. Oh, really? Um, yeah, like Honda New Zealand doesn't sell it, but it's basically the Honda Honda competitor to like the DR650. Like it's that kind of real old school. When we did our big trip down around um, Taranaki, it was definitely character building when there was a truck doing 100 or 98 k's an hour and you were trying to get past into a headwind. <laughs> <laughs> it was any passing maneuver was well thought out and well planned. <laughs> I remember I remember I was leading at that point and I was watching in my mirrors and I, I, I went past and I saw um, um, Ben come past and then I saw Mike pin it. On the uh, on the thousand, and he he got fast, and then we we're all just cruising along for about ten minutes, going, hmm, I wonder if Matt's going to make it past that truck. <laughs> it took a very long time. That was on State Highway Four, wasn't it? Um, yep. When we were on our way to Tomarinui, and yeah, it took a long bloody time. But I was enjoying the scenery just as much. Like you don't have to get there quick. It took you a good four hours to warm up into that ride and actually start uh, riding or wringing that bike's neck. You were really placid at the oh, start. Oh yeah. Oh, just trying to get into the groove. Like, you know, I don't I don't get to ride my bike every day. Um, and, yeah, I just got into it. And, yeah, once we got into that really tight stuff, that tight technical riding in the uh, Forgotten Highway, like, my bike was just perfect. Like, not huge power, but, man, I, I'm just grinning just thinking about that. I really want to go back down there, especially now I've got those new rubber, new tyres. I'd be keen to do it again as well. I actually said to Ben today earlier, uh, you know, what's your availability? I'm keen to go again. Yeah, I would say the next school holidays, but I've been um, called to called to duty to go and do a, another trip, unfortunately. But um, we definitely need to do something. I also think we need to come up with a new route. We need to go somewhere else. We need to tackle a new road. There's got to be more forgotten highways around the country that, that you know, people, locals know about that we need to go and test. I heard that uh, 90 Mile Beach is technically a highway. That people forget about. It is. Yes, it is. And we found out last uh, season that 90 Mile Beach's uh, speed limit is 100 kilometres an hour, even though they advise 30. Yeah, so um, I think we should go north, try and find somewhere warm. Oh, watch the space. We'll work it out. We wouldn't even need to go that far. Um, just just out um, uh, west of uh, Auckland, Waimauku, you've got um, the beach out there where all the surfers go. You can, uh, ride, you can drive uh, on Murawai, that one. Yeah. Murawai, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Not m- much of an adventure, though, just going 30k out from Auckland, though, is it? Well, it... it it is for Ray. Yeah, true. Ray's not going on the sand on his MT. I'll tell you that much right now for free. Oh, don't be like that. It'd be good fun. Hey, we just we just put new tyres on it, and they are not knoblies, and they are not off-road tyres. And as much as, as Michelin rave about them... Yeah, but well, they're Pilot Road 5s. They're brilliant. Technically, you don't need knobby tyres on sand. Yeah, that's one of the things I found when um, taking the old Subi off fishing in that. Some of the cars that do best in the sand dunes are actually the ones that are running road tyres. The guys with their mud terrains and their 
big massive four-wheel drives end up just digging themselves into holes. Well, we'll cross this bridge when we get to it, I think. And finally in the news, Suzuki have released details on the 2020 RMZ 250 and RMZ 450, which is kind of exciting if you're a Suzuki fan. A light aluminium frame with a hydroform swing arm, dual-injected engine delivering excellent throttle response and peak tuning there. Any other points in here that's actually worth saying? No. It's new. How new, new is it? Well, I, I know it's 2020. So it's about five years old. Oh, come on now. Suzuki is if Suzuki is anything, it is not cutting edge. Yeah, but what what I do like about the RMZ, or both of the RMZs, is they're not at the bleeding edge of things, but they're real solid and they do a good job for the money. The thing is, they're approachable, aren't they? They're mm. a bike that sort of you can get on thinking you're a bit of hot stuff, but it's not going to absolutely scare the crap out of you, like say the KTM competitor or. The Yamaha, maybe. That said, Brad Groombridge rides Suzuki, and he was number one. There you yeah, go. but he's a freak on two wheels. <laughs> like, that guy can ride. Well, not at the moment. He's still recovering from shoulder surgery and missing half of his one of his fingers on his left hand. I was talking to a friend of mine just a couple of days ago, and he was talking about some $12,500 mountain bike he wanted to buy. Holy hell! <laughs> and I was like, I could buy an RMZ450 for that. And I was like, man, there's a lot more metal in an RMZ450 than there is in a, in a mountain Bike. Twelve and a half thousand dollar mountain bike. Yeah, is that like when Ferrari release a new lightened version with with wind up windows and they charge you more for less? <laughs> is it, I mean, what what's in there that that costs? Is it is it all carbon fiber made by you know? Midgets or something. <laughs> Made yeah. by elves. But have you seen being that Ducati have a um, mountain bike and it's um, got a electric hub motor in it? I imagine it'd be a lot more than twelve and a half grand being Ducati and made out of carbon fibre, but would, that'd be something that you could almost get into. Bit of both worlds. Well, they couldn't really um, have their bicycle more expensive than their uh, motorcycles, could they? Yeah, true. That is a good thought. But what is it? The entry-level um, Scrambler 400 still dollars $15,000? So for more details on the 2020 Suzuki RMZ250 and RMZ450, do check out uh, Chris Powell's website, thedirt.co.nz, covering all things dirt. And of course, uh, any further developments, uh, keep an eye on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Podcast. We will share it right there. Which brings to a close the news. Right, so we've got a few stories this week. We've got nothing pre-recorded because we're going into quite a busy period. Matt, in a couple of days' time, you are off to Thailand. Yeah. Um, actually, tomorrow morning, so I am going to be driving from Cambridge to the airport, jumping on a plane and going to Thailand to the launch of an Italian adventure bike in Thailand, because that makes sense. Um, Moto Guzzi's new V85 TT, um, which should be interesting. It's a Moto Guzzi. Man, everything, everything's adventure bikes at the moment, isn't it? Everybody's doing them. It's the market. It just demands it. Uh, yeah. Because people are realising that sports bikes, while they're fast and, and wonderful for going fast, we can't really go very fast in New Zealand. Yeah, well, most places in the world, um, the world's so over-policed now. Um, and, geez, tracks aren't getting any cheaper, track days. Um, if anything, they're getting more expensive. Um, but, yeah, so I'm off to Thailand to test out this uh, adventure bike, um, going along with one of Kiwi Riders' testers, Jock. Um, he'll be great company. It's been out for a couple of months already in Europe and stuff, um, so there are a few reviews out on this bike already. But, like, it's a motor guzzy. I've already got some preconceptions on what it's going to be like. 
So I sort of thought I'd preview the bike and next week I will do the full review live from Thailand except pre-recorded. It's a 850cc uh, transverse V-twin, pushrod activated and has titanium valves in that. It sounds like an absolute tractor of a motor until you actually start pulling it apart and going, oh they've actually put a few trick bits in this. Uh, it's got a TFT screen, but it's a motor guzzy. So motor guzzy, they're not exactly, you can't call them like super cutting edge, even though they use more carbon fiber than almost any other motorcycle manufacturer and some of their really cool bikes. What they do well is bikes with character and bikes that you actually, you love because they kind of have a personality and it all comes down to that sort of transverse V-twin engine. And so they haven't had a adventure bike for a little while now. Um, they used to have a bike called the Stelvio, which hasn't been sold in New Zealand for a couple of years, I believe. Um, but this is sort of entering into that market and it's kind of, I almost think of it as a mini GS. It's not a like aggressive adventure bike like say a KTM 1090 or even a 790. Um, it's 19 inch front wheel, more a sort of adventure touring machine. Um, but I've had a look at the uh, the route that they're taking us on in Thailand and it involves beach riding, which is one of the reasons I went to the beach um, over the weekend. It was to get a little bit of practice in. Because <laughs> you said route. <laughs> <laughs> I did say route. The trail they're taking us on in Phuket. But yeah, I realise a 250cc Honda and an 850cc Motor Guzzi are quite different, but I'm hoping that a uh, little bit of time on the beach I spent over the weekend is going to come in handy. You know, one thing I find when, when it comes to riding off-road, and, and I, it may be the same for on-road as well, but your body learns things purely by being in the situation so you can teach yourself mentally and go yes I need to do this and yes I need to do that but at the end of the day for me when it came to riding dirt bikes seat time was the biggest learner and just being on the seat doing the thing you learn your body learns what to do so I think doing what you've done this weekend regardless of what bike you've done it on would it's going to help well yeah especially as I don't get to ride that often as well um, I'm lucky to get in a ride in every two three weeks or once a month sort of thing at the moment um, so yeah I was like oh I really need to get some gravel road practice and get some beach practice in and it all came together um, but yeah this should be a really really cool bike to ride it's got about 80 horsepower i think um don't ask me what that is in kilowatts but um it's not the most powerful thing but it's i think it's going to be pleasant it's going to be an, an enjoyable bike so um yeah we'll, well um, come back next week i think um uh, based on what jock thought when he rode the selvio the one you were talking about earlier he, he really enjoyed it um, he, he said it wasn't like a uh, like a GS in many ways because it just does it goes about what it does so very differently, which is part of this character thing you're talking about. Mm. But he absolutely he absolutely loved it, and I think this could be um, a real good bike from Motoguzzi. Yeah, and because most like well the rest of their range is sort of yeah modern classic, and this um, V85 TT it's its engine architecture is sort of based off that v9 roma and bobber that came out a couple of years ago except it's got a heck of a lot more power um and yeah it's just i don't know i remember riding the roma a while back and just thinking like it's it's not an amazing bike it doesn't blow your doors off it doesn't do anything exceptionally well but it all comes back down to that character it's not like you're jumping on a sewing machine and going for a ride it's and it's an experience, and I think that counts for a lot in motorcycling. It must count for something. I mean, we wouldn't be out there in the rain with no roof, no doors, no heater for no reason, right? You, you get on a bike. Well, some of us are just plain mental. So, <laughs> well, generally, you get on a bike because that's you know there is there's a connection there. There's something, uh, something in your veins. Mm, yeah, like well, yeah, that's that's my feeling to it anyway. 
it's it's an experience getting on a bike it's not yeah a car's if you wanted to just get from a to b you'd get in a car or get on a train or something boring um if you want to experience the trip you can get on a bike so um yeah that's what i'm expecting the guzzy to be anyway um Time will tell. In the same vein, do you guys subscribe to the fact that if you don't look back at the bike when you've parked it, you've got the wrong bike? Yep. Yes, absolutely. Yep, totally. Which is yeah, one of the reasons I went and bought my bike because yeah, when I had it on test that first time, I couldn't stop looking at the damn thing. Um, then I had it on test the second time and I couldn't stop looking at the damn thing. And then I was very lucky to find it in a dealership and I bought the damn thing. <laughs> nice. Well, you travel safe and um, make sure you bring back lots of audio for the podcast. And I hear that we're going to be uh, seeing your lovely face and your, and your footage on uh, some, some videos for some other outlets in the coming future. All going well. <laughs> yeah, can't say my face is going to be lovely. I did get a haircut, especially for it. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, it's going to be a very busy week for me. Brilliant. Hey, well, I had a, a, the week from Nam last week. Um, I had the KTM 790 Adventure R, which you know you've seen on the on the Facebook, and uh, yes, yeah, so I, I dropped the dropped the MT07 into TSS Motorcycles to get the uh, the Michelin's put on, which went, went swimmingly, and they lent me that fantastic KTM to have a, a blast around on, which we uh, played you the audio last week. And uh, I dropped the KTM back around lunchtime, picked up the MT07, hooned off into work, didn't really get much testing on the uh, Michelin's done because you know you got to bed them in and. and and grub, grubby them up a little bit. Uh, and then I rode the bike into work the next day, and after work, I found out I had a flat tyre, which was kind of the end of the world for me because I've never, ever, ever had a flat tyre on a motorbike. Even a dirt bike, I've never had a flat tyre on. So I didn't really know what to do, and people were like, well, use your use your puncture repair kit. Surely you carry one of them, don't you? And I was like, no. <laughs> I wouldn't know what to do with one if I had one. Yeah, that was tremendously bad luck, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, 37.5 k's or something crazy like that. Uh, I was heading into town. I commute from Wanuiamata to Central Wellington. I was going around the uh, the final, the left hander on the Petoni on ramp, and I went a little bit wider than I would normally go. And I thought, you know, this is where people get punctures. This is the the spot. And people are going, why have I got a puncture? Well, that's where you got it. Didn't think of anything at the time. Got to work. No worries. And then I found the puncture, and it was a bloody great big rusty nail as well. So I wasn't happy about that. So I went and picked uh, a trained home, got the wagon, went back into work, uh, picked up the bike, and on the way back, I got a text from Stuart from TSS Motorcycles in Lower Hutt, who I've mentioned a few times. Going to mention them again, though, because he said, Ray, I'm going into the workshop. I'm going to open the doors. I'll see you in there. We'll stow the bike there overnight so the uh, puncture can get fixed in the morning. How often do you get service like that? The owner of the motorbike shop goes and opens the, do- the doors at 7.30 at night. That's it's pretty rare, to be honest. It's like, well, yeah, like, that's how you build a good customer base. Um, it's, sales, it's salesmanship number one sort of thing. Um, that's what got me into hire sungs. Well, I owned a hire sung and then I got really good experience with the dealership and I just bought, kept on buying the things. Um, and I think Stuart's trying to um, do a number on you. He's being, he's looking after you really well. So when you finally get sick of your MT07, you're going to go get something off him. Well, he's doing a bloody good job. Thanks very much, Stuart. You've uh, you saved me life. You saved me bacon. Uh, moral of the story is uh, don't go wide on a corner and pick up nails in your brand new tyres. Uh, the tyre has been fixed, it's still holding air now, and the full story will be in an uh, upcoming issue of Kiwi Rider, will it not, Ben? In fact, yes, it'll be in the one that's out next week on Tuesday. 
Ooh-wee. Great. And of course, the uh, the upcoming uh, reviews on those tyres and how we go is, uh, will be in there as well. Uh, what else we got? Uh, I went on a trail ride in the weekend. I've told you most of it, but check out the video on the Power Band Podcast YouTube channel on Facebook. Uh, 30 kilometres of trails, a crazy culvert thing, basically a massive pipe, just big enough for the handlebars of your bike. We had to push our bikes under there and go under State Highway 58. Uh, it wasn't the best trail ride I've ever been to. It was pretty well run, but it, it was pretty short as well. Uh, it was nothing on a Hotafenua Motorcycle Club trail ride, that's for sure, and absolutely nothing on a full weekend that you'd get at uh, at Waiuru or by the Epic Events guys. They do great trail rides as well. But we did get the WR out and got it dirty. Motomark did a fantastic job cleaning it up when I got back. Um, nothing really more to report on that other than uh, I am so sore right now. <laughs> you and me both. It's funny, you go ride your bike that you haven't ridden in a while and you do something you haven't done and all of a sudden you discover these muscles that you didn't know you had. <laughs> I do that every time I go on a big trail ride. Oh, See, I haven't even done a trail ride before but I've got these weird muscles in my back and my shoulders that I didn't know were there after just doing a 200 kilometre ride. I've never been a massive gym goer. But about, uh, what, a month, month and a half ago, I started going to the gym, minimum two times a week, a bit of cardio, a few weights, and that absolutely made the difference when it came to being able to ride and ride for longer distances, you know, the cardiovascular system, the breathing, everything like that. But man, still, getting on the bike, I thought, oh, I've done a bit of gym workout, I won't be as sore, but nah, man, I'm, I'm absolutely aching, especially my shoulder, where there was one patch, I come down this really slippery bit of uh, clay, and forgot that I was on clay, grabbed a whole handful of the front brake and lost it, and landed hard on my shoulder. Oof. Yes, I don't think um, gym workouts protect you from dumb artery. Uh, I don't think that's quite the right term. Fuck quittery. <laughs> yeah, basically, you can feel like a tough guy, but then body hits the trail, uh, you find out you're just as soft as everyone else. Tell you what, though, do check out that video. Right at the very start of the uh, trail ride, there's this massive uphill uh, hill climb. Uphill hill climb? Yeah, it's a special one. It's, 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 it's different to a downhill hill climb. So you go up this hill for about four or five minutes, and there were a lot of people off, you know, falling off their bikes, and that was kind of the hard bit. I reckon if I didn't have anyone in front of me, I would have been straight up that hill, but had to stop for some people that had fallen over. And then there was one patch where I, I took a gorse kind of offshoot to try and get around the people who were laying covered in bikes and stuff in the middle of the trail. And there was a big hole there. So that wasn't going to happen either. But um, lots and lots of fun. Um, and if, if you're ever thinking about getting onto trails, I've been talking to a couple of the guys uh, around Wellington recently who have been wanting to give it a go. Definitely go and talk to your local motorcycle dealer and see if they've got a bike they can lend you or a day that they can take you out because trail riding is a fantastic sport, great for fitness and great for meeting people as most motorcycle meetings, whether it be road, trails, dirt, anything are. Uh, Matt, you uh, we mentioned at the top of the podcast that you hit the beach on the CRF and got a bit stuck almost uh, trying to get out of the beach. Yeah, so... Um we went down to this beach, I can't remember the name of it, um, but it was on that coast road that goes from Raglan all the way down to Carthia. If you haven't done it and you've got a bike that's capable of doing um, a serious amount of gravel road riding, um, so not your MT-07 Ray, um, honestly, it's well worth doing it. The views were stunning. Um, but yeah, we went down, we sort of pulled up and we're like, oh, that sand looks a wee bit soft. And we're like, ah, what's the worst that can happen? The bike falls over. Um, yeah, <laughs> two tries later, I was getting pulled up the uh, 
wee sand dune there. Um, I've got some video on my Instagram. Um, I think Ray may have shared it to the um, Power Band Podcast Facebook page. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't, nothing ever seems to look as impressive or scary or difficult when you're filming it on a GoPro. But when you're in person, man, like that whole cardiovascular system thing you were talking about before. Like I haven't been to the gym since December. Um, but hard when you're uh, trying to wrangle a small person all day. And man, I was absolutely beat. Um, in fact, got up to the top of the road and started going the rest of the way. I nearly rode it off the road because I got distracted and I was just tired. And um, so I had to take a wee bit of a breather. But man, it was just so good to get out on the bike. Just absolutely good. And got home, busted out the motomark. The baby had a meltdown and I found out that if you leave motomark on for about half an hour, it does an even better job. Really? So the longer you leave it, the better, better it works? That seemed to be my experience. I was also using a more high pressure hose as well, which probably made a difference. But um, man, I was, I'm pretty pleased with how the, uh, the little Honda's looking at the moment. Um, has had a thorough clean. It's no longer covered in black sand. Isn't that the best thing about having motomark in the garage is when you do go out and get your toys dirty, you can just Spray some on, hose it off, done. Yeah. There's no mucking around. There's no getting the toothbrush out to clean out the little nooks and crannies. It is literally spray it on, have a beer, hose it off. Yeah, I was most stoked with um, that that weird underside area that's underneath your subframe, above your wheel, and it's always a pain in the ass to get clean, no matter what, because it gets a bit of chain grease up there and whatnot. No, it's, it's pr- looking pretty good at the moment. I am, uh, I am very pleased with that, though I am going to have to go down to Repco and uh, buy another five litre jug of motomark because, um, yeah, I've wasted a fair bit of it cleaning cars lately. So, um. well, I'll tell you what, if you purchase it from motomark.co.nz, this is sounding really cheesy, by the way. This is going right down the, well, actually, come on down. <laughs> but seriously, if you get your motomark off motomark.co.nz and use the code POWERBAND at the checkout, you'll get 15% off your purchase. It doesn't matter how much you purchase, just chuck POWERBAND in the promo code box, you're 15% off easy as, done and dusted. Moving along then, uh, I've got one more thing I'd like to bring to the table for a quick bit of discussion if we've got the time. Gentlemen, lane splitting. Now, I know you probably don't do it all that often, but the question for you, when you do, if you ever do lane split, do you use an indicator? Do you use your hazards? Do you use your high beams or do you do nothing? Put aside the fact that lane splitting, yes, it's legal in New Zealand if you do it right. Yes, it's dangerous. Don't do it above certain speeds. Wah, 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 wah. Put all that to the side. If you lane split at any speed, do you indicate hazards, high beams or nothing? See, I I had my only nasty crash lane splitting and, um, yeah, I really do try and avoid it now. But if I do do it, I try and do it by the book. And if not, I whack on the, uh, the hazards just because it's showing both people on both lanes that your lights are flashing that you are a hazard um and i think in my mind it makes it slightly better but yeah the whole buy the book thing i try and do that as well for insurance purposes which is the whole yep i i agree with you on the on the lane side of things but i think technically by the book you're not meant to indicate this is like legally you don't indicate when you're lane splitting. However, people do. See, I remember reading something in the Herald that um, one of my old colleagues got together and he talked to a cop and the cop, I'm sure the cop said that you had to indicate, but who knows, maybe I'm wrong. But yeah, I think so long as you're riding in a manner um, that is attention grabbing and you're avoiding those uh, blind spots, you're riding really defensively, um, whatever you can do to make yourself more known sort of 
all for it. Though high beams probably not a great idea because you might blind someone if they look in the rear view. I mean, there's justification for all three, right? So indicating um, not all bikes have a hazard. Uh, hazard flashes so you put an indicator on and a flashing light is going to draw more attention than a solid light that's one justification some people say it's about being seen I'm more likely to be seen if I've got my high beam on I don't care if I'm annoying people because if I'm annoying people they've definitely seen me so it's all about being seen right but I'm just trying to I'm just looking through rideforever.co.nz now to see if there's any reference on using a hazard or anything like that and I'm not actually seeing anything you've been quite quiet Ben what are your thoughts yeah um, I normally use my hazards mm, yeah. I, I guess the bigger question is if you really want to be seen do you uh, wear one of these Sam Brown sash yellow things or a, a high-vis jacket I don't wear a high-vis jacket but it's only because I don't have one I'm quite keen to get one of those high-vis jacket vests that has the pockets in it because I think another layer would also give you just that extra bit of uh, waterproofing in the torrential downpours as well. See, I don't wear the high-vis. I do own a high-vis jacket. It is somewhere. I've moved house three times since I last used it. But I do try and... I I won't buy all-black motorcycle riding gear. Um, rule of thumb I won't buy a black helmet I won't buy just straight black jacket and pants something with a bit of colour in it I do like your Scott gear with the green uh, accents in it that's quite cool yeah no, that's meant to be fluoro um, it's meant to sort of be reflective as well um, obviously I can't tell that because I'm wearing it but yeah I think it's taking those you do need to take those sort of things into account when you're buying your gear and the all black is sort of like the whole the traditional biker gear but you can get some pretty cool stuff that actually has colour in it. And I think, like, for me, white helmets really stick out um, on the road. They're not fluoro. They're just this bright white beacon of helmetness. My helmet's predominantly white, but it's also reflective. Ooh, fancy. You probably wouldn't have noticed it because we didn't ride in the dark on our uh, Taranaki trip. But the, the paint in it is a, is a reflective. Well, we did ride in the dark. We rode in that tunnel, except you and I were both wearing sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Uh, but it's a, it's a reflective kind of white pearl reflective paint that the majority of the helmet's painted in. Oh, nice. Which is quite cunning. Um, just changing the subject, guys, just uh, for a moment. I just um, was thinking, uh, you, you're probably like me, you uh, spend far too many uh, hours a week um, looking through Trade Me for bargains, bikes, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I know who I do. And I just wondered if, uh, if anything had caught your eye this week. Oh. Has anything caught... Well, no, nothing's caught my eye, but I did get a message from the father-in-law who's interested in bikes asking me for my opinion on a Triumph Thunderbird Storm, a 2013 model, which I've sent you guys the link to if you want to have a look at that and give me your thoughts on it. It's a, a matte silver... Uh, somebody's put a skull and crossbones on there, uh, which is a bit unfortunate in my opinion. But it's a, it's a nice looking cruiser bike. I'm not a cruiser guy, so I don't I can't really give an opinion. But we worked out it's got fifty thousand Ks on it, and they want fourteen nine nine five, which seems like a lot for the amount of Ks. But you guys might know something about this bike that I don't. Mm, well, I've ridden that that actual model of Thunderbird, and it's a great bike. Good fun to ride if you're a fa- if you're a fan of the feet forward foot pegs. It's got them. But it's actually for a factory Triumph Custom. 
they're pretty cool. Yeah, I haven't ridden them, but I think they were, what, around 30 grand brand new when they came out? Something like that. So, yeah, I'd probably be trying to get that seller down a little bit because 15 grand for 50,000 Ks still seems like a fair bit. But, yeah, I'm not particularly familiar with them, so I can't really say much other than they look cool. What have you been looking at lately, uh, Ben? Oh, what haven't I been looking at? Um, I've got an eclectic uh, taste for motorcycles. Things that have caught my eye. Well, I've seen a, just today, a Suzuki RF 900. They were, if it hadn't have been for the Honda Fireblade coming out, they would have been the next big thing. Unfortunately for Suzuki, the Fireblade came out and everyone forgot all about the RF 900. There's a couple of those on Trade Me at the moment. Is this is this the full fairing thing that looks uh, a little bit late 80s? Oh yeah, absolutely. They were very much of their time. Uh, basically used a, a quite a conventional chassis and wrapped it up with this um, sort of Ferrari Testarossa grill style bodywork. Mm, very much so. It looks like it's got the bum from a... It's very similar to the, you know, it was probably characteristic of its time, but it, the, the RC end looks very CBR 1000. Mm, I, I'm not sure if you're um, into your sci-fi, but um, it was very much um, described as looked like a uh, Klingon battle cruiser. Uh, any other bikes that you've been looking at? Yeah, there's a very tidy KTM 990 Adventure on there. A couple of CBR 1000F models from like the early 90s sitting at around four thousand bucks it's a lot of uh, bike for not a lot of money um the same as mike was riding on our trip down to taranaki mm. i'm seeing a lot of um f800gs on here and i know you've got a, a soft spot for something like that don't you i do indeed um i've got a couple of those in my watch list at the moment about seven and a half eight grand so the big question is you've been looking at all these bikes what's stopping you pulling the trigger i think um i'm lucky in one way that i'm fortunate enough to get to ride quite a few of these new bikes but also that's also unfortunate because you can never decide what you do actually want like i would love the speed of a a full-on sports bike or the comfort of a sports tourer or the, the agility of a, a lightweight trail bike, or the sort of go-everywhere ability of a, of a big adventure bike. I think this is the problem every motorcyclist falls into, and in that, that that's why people have more than one bike. Exactly. I've got a I've got a MT-07 and a WR250 because I can't afford a bike that will do both of those jobs. No, exactly. Back in the UK, I used to have, at one point, I had eight bikes. Um, I was always thinking about having more. Yes, I completely agree on that. Well, keep us posted on what you do end up riding. I suppose the, the, the benefit that you've got having ridden a lot of these bikes new is that you know what they should feel like compared to how they feel now. Mm. Well, I, I I was lucky enough to go on the launch of the first F800GS in South Africa, and it was it was a game changer at the time. Um and even those early models are still good bikes. So that, that, they're very much on my list. Brilliant. Well, I think it's time to do a few thank yous for this podcast. Got to say a massive, massive thank you to Motomuck. Use that code POWERBAND and you'll get 15% off at motomuck.co.nz. Uh, it's a really, really good cleaner and we honestly... Uh, wholeheartedly support them because they support us but their product works wonders i've used it on the road bikes i've used it on the dirt bikes matt's used it on his car hasn't done any damage to the paint or anything like that so go to uh, motormuck.co.nz grab yourself some motormuck use the power band code and you'll get 15 percent off also got to say a massive thank you to matt with onthrottle.co.nz it is kind of the written version of the podcast uh it's uh, updated all the time with all kiwi 
relevant information from the world of motorcycling. Check out the dirt.co.nz as well. Chris Power has his finger on the pulse of all things dirt, including details on the 2020 Suzuki RMZ 250 and 450 new releases we spoke about a little bit earlier on. And where would we be without KiwiRider.co.nz and the magazine? 35 years off, uh, 35 years old, and I think last week you released the first edition of the magazine digitally, Ben. Yeah, um, we, we dug back to the archives and managed to find the number one issue, the, f- the first issue from 1984. And um, we had it scanned and we've reproduced it in its um, semi-colour, semi-black-and-white glory. And um, yeah, it's, it's up and you, you can read it. And make sure you follow them on Facebook as well, facebook.com forward slash Kiwi Rider Magazine. Lots of uh, highlights from the magazine head up there with links. And the magazine itself, we say magazine, but it's not a physical magazine. It is a digital magazine with uh, fully interactive, turn, turn the page sort of uh, clickable icons and videos and heaps of stuff. Um, so do check it out. What have we got coming up as far as Kiwi Rider goes? Okay, um, coming up in the next... Uh, issues for the uh, for June so uh, volume one which is our sort of slightly more road oriented issue we took two of Honda's CRF 1000L Africa Twin adventures so the ones with the big tanks and we rode them from Christchurch back to Auckland up through the Molesworth uh, quite a few of the big classic New Zealand uh, trails and passes um, so that's in there. That would have been an epic ride. Yeah, sadly I didn't get to go on it. I was busy, but um, the two guys that did absolutely loved it. Oh, and we've got um, the uh, our test on the 1250 GS Adventure. The party couch. Which was the party couch, which uh, you'll be privy to. And if you want to refresh yourself on uh, our, your initial thoughts, Ben, uh, do check out the, uh, was it Season 2, Episode 10 of Power Band Podcast. That was the trip we took it on, yeah? Yeah, um, it was a, a month or so ago now, but um, certainly uh, some lasting impressions from the trip. So kiwirider.co.nz, facebook.com forward slash Kiwi Rider Magazine. Hey, Ben, thanks very much for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, hope you're going to join us in the future as well. Yeah, I'd love to. One more thing that we do at the end of every episode. We round every episode off with a dad joke because Matt and myself are both dads now what better way to practice our dad jokes while our kids are young uh, and and be masters of it when they get older uh, so i got a joke for you here we go are you ready i am go for it uh so yeah i was, I was watching a program about beavers the other day it was a david attenborough pro- program uh i tell you what best damn program i've ever seen oh very droll as my my now deceased grandfather would say he'd be turning his grave Do you want to give us your one bear in mind i'm not a dad but I, I'm, I'm queuing these jokes up, ready for hopefully one day. All right, give us one. What cheese would you use to tempt a bear out of a tree? I don't know. What cheese would you use to tempt a bear out of a tree? Come on, bear. <laughs> oh, I love it. Dead jokes right here on Powerband Podcast. That wraps us up for another episode. Right, I Matt. So um, have a great trip uh, over in Thailand and um, keep us posted on your uh, your activities. Yeah, will do, man. I'll um, try and update the old Facebook page as soon as I can. Um, we'll catch up next week and I'll tell you all about it. Looking forward to it. Have a great time. Thank you. And um, yeah, I'll catch you guys on the flip-flop. Cool. See you soon. See ya. Thank you very much, Ben, for joining us as well. Thank you. And that rounds off Season 3, Episode 5. We'll catch you in seven days' time.